Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast. It was so good to have Edie and Mita Shaw on my show. That was completely amazing because, you know, to finally talk to people on the show that have actually seen the real Marilyn and hung out with her. But I'm so excited about today because I have got Michelle Morgan back and it's Yes, I love her, but also I feel like when I talk to her, she just knows everything about Marilyn. I mean, I think if Marilyn Monroe was alive, she'd have to call Michelle and go, what was I doing on February 1952 at 9pm? And Michelle would know. But part of the reason I wanted Michelle back is because... This book called The Girl, Marilyn Monroe, The Seven Year Itch and the Birth of an Unlikely Feminist, I have to say is probably, would I say it's my favourite book on Marilyn? Do you know what it could be? Because as I've got older and I've seen the world change, people say to me, mm, you know, she was a poet, she was this, and you've got other people say, oh no, she's a dumb blonde who don't really know her, and it's all the Kennedys. Whereas this book kind of tells the truth. It kind of says... Yeah, she did do these things. She did play a dumb blonde. Yes, she was a poet. She was an unlikely feminist because she was doing things before. We look at actresses now and we're saying, like, look, they've got their own production companies and they're, they're, they're the bosses of their companies. And Marilyn was doing this back in the 50s before anybody else. But she's not really known for being a feminist. Whereas this book... Michelle, I'm going to introduce you before I just do my own podcast raving about this book. <laughs> but it's true, right? This book is just addresses all of that. It does. It does. And that, that was the, um, that was, you know, what I really wanted to do when, when I first started it and what my um, editor wanted to do is to sort of get below the surface and argue the point of why Marilyn was a, a trailblazer and, you know, had girl power and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a brilliant book to, to write and probably, I mean, I love all of my books, but it's definitely up there with my favourites for sure. This is going to sound really, not that you weren't so well known when this came out, but I kind of wish that this book was coming out now. Do you know what, mm. I, do you know what I mean by that? Because I think now with the rise of the whole Me Too movement, and I know you addressed that here with the Weinsteins and things like that, but I just feel that as you have grown as an author and you you know people really know more about you now and and like when you make a book you can see the Marilyn community go crazy with your new book coming out the 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 Marilyn meets the queen about her time in England people are so excited like we want this year to end for two reasons one because of covid but also because we get your book next year <laughs> but this this book the girl i really feel like it kind of went under the radar yeah i think that too and I think that I think that there was a great opportunity to um, to publicise it with the whole Me Too movement, and it and it didn't really happen. And so, yeah, with that, I'm, you know, I'm disappointed. But the good thing is that you know, because it's it's still in print and everything, there's always time for for people to to see it now and to discover it now and see what you know what it says. Because I do think that it's an important book, and I'm not saying that just because I'm the author. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that because it, you know of the subjects that it. It has in the book, and you know, if, if people want to to read it, that would be absolutely fantastic. But it's interesting what you say about how everyone's sort of going crazy for Marilyn met the Queen, and I, I was thinking about this the other day that just in the in the past maybe the past year things seem to have gone 
I don't know, just like through the roof, really, in terms of, you know, people's excitement over, over my book. I saw it with my novel as well. And it's just, it, it's really quite mind blowing to me. I don't know what's, what's happened, what kind of shift has gone on. But um, yeah, I'm happy to go with it. Yeah. And I, I also think there's a shift in thinking, um, people's way of thinking now. I mean, the, the world's moving so much. But I, I've, there was a recently a debate on a, a Marilyn group and they were saying, you know, oh, Marilyn's known for all this horrible stuff and we wish she was known for, you know, um, her intellect and her and, and the things she did do. And, and I kind of felt, well, I think she's getting known as that because mm. obviously I walk around as Marilyn quite a lot of the time, not so much in COVID times, but... And people have come up to me and said, like... Um, you know, Marilyn Monroe, she wasn't a dumb blonde. You know, she, I read these poems of her, or I read this about her. Or, and I think, I think that side's getting out. So people are trying to, to find more of that side of her. And it's funny because the first part in your book is saying it's insulting for a memory to be either a dumb blonde or a victim because she was neither. And I love that part of your book because... I think that's the two camps that she usually sits in. Usually here, like, she was dumb blonde, slept with the Kennedys, or, oh, poor Marilyn, she was so lost. And, and that middle part of the real Marilyn gets lost. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, it's, it's something that I... It, it makes me really cross when everybody... Well, not everybody, but when people say, oh, Marilyn was such a victim, she was a victim of this and a victim of that, and a victim of powerful men... And I go, well, how do you make that out? Because this is, an actu- this is actually a woman who stood up to powerful men, to mm-hmm. Daryl F. Sanek at 20th Century Fox and Harry Cohn and all of those people and said, look, this is what I want to do, you know, take it or leave it, you know, get stuffed if you don't appreciate me. I mean, she walked out on her contract, for goodness sake, in, you know, 1954, the mid-1950s, and she, she didn't care. She was like, well, I, this isn't making me happy anymore. I'm going, I'm going to do my own thing. And if that's not standing up to powerful men, then I don't know what is, quite frankly. I'm so glad you addressed that point because people who are listening that are not Marilyn Monroe fans or don't know the history of Marilyn Monroe, what you're talking about here is in 19... Was it 55 or 54? At the very end of 1954. Right, so at the very end of 1954, which, let's be honest, women in the 50s were usually meant to stay at home mm-hmm. and uh, be the, you know, the housewife and... Or you were a loose woman. There was like, there was the two choices in life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marilyn was in a studio system that was like an iron fist. And you know, I'm not saying it's not brave to stand up for yourself now, but we have so much more support. Men are more liberal than they were in those days. But Marilyn did this when she was at the height of her fame. Gentleman fur blondes, rhythm of no return, seven year itch, and suddenly said. I'm done. I'm done with playing the blonde stereotype. I don't want to wear a pair of tights anymore. Just be a girl. And I'm off to New York to go to the actor's studio, set up my own production company. I mean, that is immense. That's immense. Mm. And then they're going, well, you'll never work in this town again. And she said, so be it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I'd be that brave. And I'm a woman in 2021. And I don't think I'd do that. No. No, I agree. I mean, she she was having reporters laugh in her face. I mean, when she did the press conference to announce the formation of Marilyn Monroe Productions, people were laughing at her. You know, the, the mm. articles that came out afterwards were like, you know, what kind of dope is she smoking kind of a thing? What is she on about? How on earth can this woman become a serious actress and produce her own movies when she's just a, you know, fluffy little actress from Hollywood? People were laughing in her face, and she basically, 
outwards anyway said i don't care i mean inwards she you know she maybe did have um reservations or sadness or whatever but outwardly she just kept marching forward and you know going after what what she wanted which was a a brand new great contract from 20th century fox and the ability to make her own stuff with her, her own company and with other companies so she she just went straight forward she didn't care what people said and it was so brave and you're right um about like you know us in 2021 i wouldn't have the guts to to do that it's just it's remarkable what she did and you know and, and some people might say oh well she was really rich she could afford to just walk out but she actually wasn't hugely mm. rich at that time so it, it was a very very brave thing to do and i i applaud her i, I can't believe that anyone was so brave to be honest and even if she was rich like you said that she wasn't but even now we have rich stars that we know that because of their contracts or they don't want to lose a tv series will do things probably that they don't actually probably stand by i mean i'll give you an example i've gone vegan and i've just done a cheese commercial because i need the (laughs) money right so now if i was actually famous people go what what kind of vegan does a cheese commercial i tell you a broke vegan Exactly. But Marilyn didn't care about the money. So this is why I admire her because she really, and then when she left, this is what I find really um, hard for anybody who breaks away from the mold that they're in, which she did, is when she did leave the Hollywood bubble of Fox, of the stereotype blonde, she went to New York to study the method at the actor's studio and again faced persecution and ridicule from people that thought she's not a real actress she's a so you've got this girl that doesn't belong anywhere and I think part of her strength would be that I think Marilyn growing up felt she didn't belong anywhere so that Mm -hmm. that growing up to feel like I don't belong actually helped her because she knew how it felt to not belong so when she didn't belong she knew how to fight through because she's finding yeah. her her place. So sometimes it can help you. If you've had a pretty rough start, it can give you a few extra skins. And I think she needed them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it, when she did go into the actor's studio, I mean, I spoke to people who who were there before she arrived. And they were told, you know, Marilyn Monroe is going to be here, blah, blah, blah. And they, not everybody, but the people I spoke to were like, what? Why are you letting this Hollywood actress in? And they really resented her coming into the studio because they had done all their auditions and everything else. And then she was just, you know, she was walking in, but she was walking in as a spectator. Um, But they still didn't appreciate it. And I spoke to one person who said, you know, oh, she came all dressed up. She had high heels on and all this sort of stuff. And everyone just, you know, looked at her like, what do you think you're doing? Um, But then after that, you know, she, she came sort of casually dressed. But you're right, she didn't feel like she fitted in when she was there. And it took a while for, for her to actually feel as though she, she was wanted. And, but despite that, she kept going back. I mean, she, you know, she started her lessons there in 1955, and she was also going to Lee Strasberg's home. She would do private tuition with him, and she also did little sort of mini classes there with other groups of people. And that must have been terrifying. I mean, New York actors uh, back in those days, you know, they were sort of very, I don't know, sort of, powerful people who who would just come out and say whatever was on their mind and and she Marilyn was a very sensitive person and she, you know she must have been in situations where maybe somebody her, her feelings by the things that they said about her her performance or about the way she looked or anything like that but she just kept on going because she wanted to better herself and 
she wanted to learn and I think that's so admirable and really inspirational. It is. I mean, she's, it's so weird, her, the inspiration she has on me. And I've kind of become a bigger Marilyn Monroe fan in lockdown since I've not been playing Marilyn Monroe. Because I don't know if anyone who impersonates Marilyn Monroe that's listening, and I'd love to ask Susan Griffiths this as well, I, I should ask her actually, that when you break away from portraying Marilyn Monroe every day as a job, um, which I've had to do in lockdown, I suddenly fall in love with the woman because I'm not having to it's like it's like living up to something you can't live up to I mean I don't care how good you are as a Marilyn Monroe impersonator you're not Marilyn Monroe and you, you you'll never come close to it you know and it's and the fact that I've not been portraying her and having to like live up to this thing I've got to actually know her again which is so lovely because I've kind of gone like wow, she's amazing, because I'm reading more about her, and what really turned me on in your book, and I don't mean that in a, in a weird, creepy, sexual way, but it made me excited, <laughs> you never know how it goes, and nerdy, geeky stuff does excite me, I have to say, but um, yeah. it's, it's when I found out that she, I'm a big Oscar Wilde fan, and I um, went to all these exhibits when it was the anniversary of, um, of, um, of his recently, and I went to Reading Jail, and uh, mm-hmm. I saw the Ballad of Reading Jowl, uh, one of the first editions, and I saw the, the jowl cell where he wrote that. And then I read in your book that she actually learned the, the lines of this off by heart, mm. the Ballad of Reading Jail. And she loved Oscar yeah. Wilde. I'm not saying, like, look, I'm actually Marilyn Monroe reincarnated by saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that I love that it's so relatable because if I met her, I'd be like, oh, my God, I love that too because it's so heartbreaking and romantic about how it, the lost love and and the way he feels there and I thought oh my god I wonder if that resonated with her as well the way it resonated with me that she must she's such a poet and I'm like this is this I want to be loved by you boo boo be doo Mr President and this is a girl that that memorized the Ballad of Reading Jail by Oscar Wilde I mean exactly (laughs) I I really liked when I when I was doing the book I really liked learning stuff like that and actually that I can't remember the reporter's name but he I think it was maybe Thomas Wiseman, I'm not sure, but he in- interviewed her many times over the years. And one time when he was interviewing her and she talked about the, the Reading Jail um, text, and then a few years later he came back and she said, oh, yes, I, you know, I, I remember you. I was, we were talking about the, the Reading Jail text. And, you know, it was obviously something that was important to her. Mm. And he, she, she showed him her, her book collection and, you know, her poetry and all that kind of thing. Um, because all those things were inspired her too. And that's why I loved about when I was writing this book that by the end of it, I wanted to uh, read poetry and I wanted to read Shakespeare and I wanted to go to acting class and I wanted to do all of those things because mm. it just inspired me so much to, to, you know, to do those, those kind of things. And that's why um, there's, there's an appendix at the back of the book which has like a, a list of the um, the books that she read that I mentioned in the book or the the um, playwrights that she liked and the music she liked and all that kind of thing so that people who feel inspired by the things that she did during the course of this book can then go out and do it themselves and, you know, and read all that stuff. And um, I actually, my editor wasn't sure whether or not I should put that in. She's like, I don't know if it fits in. I was like, no, please let me just put it in. Mm-hmm. And... So many people have messaged me and said, I'm so glad you put that list of um, cultural stuff at the back because, you know, it really inspired me to go out and, and read those things for myself. So, yes, yeah, so I was really pleased about that. It's, she, she's such... A, to me, when you see that reading list, 
it flies in the face of the girl that is portrayed on the screen. And that's what we need to remember, that she was an actress. <laughs> this wasn't her you were seeing. She's just acting as Lorelai Lee. And I think that's kind of why... Oh, this sounds really horrible because my people, my friends are saying, oh, maybe it's because of lockdown. But I don't know if it is. I think this is where I found recently the thought of going back to, to playing Marilyn Monroe at parties and stuff is really bothering me because I feel like I don't want to play that Marilyn anymore, which is why I get excited about my show that I'm doing about living as Marilyn and, 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 and how it's been. But I just... You know, you can't play the real Marilyn Monroe at a gig. I can't turn up with the ballon of Reading Jowl and go, right, <laughs> right? Because people go, is this woman mental? And that's what, it's so funny because there's another part in your book where you say she's split between two camps. There's one camp that want her to be more glamorous and more, I don't know, I guess it's like burlesque now, you know, very, very over the top and super glam. And then there's the other camp that wanted to, you know, not be so intellectual, be more fun. or and, and it's like, again, you're like, stop telling this woman what to do. <laughs> mm. Exactly, yes. I mean, she, there, there, was, there was reporters that, used, that, that would say that, you know, why is this glamour girl wanting to write poetry? Mm. And then there was also the people who'd be like, why does this poet want to now play a glamour girl? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, you just, as you say, just let her, her be who she is. I mean, we all have many, many layers and, mm. you know, some layers we have out on public display and others are, are sort of deep inside us. And that was the same as Marilyn. And, she, you know, she, was, she wasn't a one-dimensional person. And I think that's where some people find it hard because they just see a picture of her on a, a wall or a picture of her on the screen or whatever. And then they then say, well, that's who Marilyn was. Mm. That's, you know, that's the be-all and end-all of her singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, that's the person that she was. Mm. And that's not true. She was many different people. Yes, she was Lorelai Lee on the screen, but she was all these other people too inside her. And, you know, you have to, you have to accept that. And also she, you know, she had faults just like everybody else and things that she did that she wasn't, maybe wasn't completely proud of, just like all of us. You know, so she was she was a human being, and I think that's the thing that I was trying to get across mm. more than anything in this book that that she's an actual person, and you'll know this because you've been there too. When when you go to Westwood and see, you know, see her her grave, you suddenly realise this was a real person. Oh, and yeah. I remember mm. going there in well, when the first time I went there in 1992, and just standing there going, "Gosh, this person that I've loved." For the past seven years is in you know is, is in this place she it was a human being and it really sort of hits you when you see that and so I wanted I wanted that kind of same feeling with this book that people get to the end of it and go gosh she really was a human being and I'm hoping that that's what happens with when Marilyn met the Queen because that whole story has got so many layers as well and it really so far really shows Marilyn up as a real human being with many, many different um, sides of her personality. So, yeah, hopefully um, people will come away from the girl knowing that Marilyn was actually like one of us. Mm, I think that's so... You're so right, and I I, I just so glad that you exist in the world, Michelle, because 
um, your book, The Girl, and like you say, with the, the, the Marilyn Met the Queen coming out, you really are, and with obviously your private and undisclosed, but with these books, what you're doing is you, I mean, they, they're like they like an anthology, they're like Lord of the Rings, Marilyn version, because they're, you're, you're, you do a biography, but then you're kind of going in depth, and we're, we're really going deeping in, especially on this uh, feminist thing, because obviously I haven't read the British one yet. But what, when I was reading it, I thought, because I was also looking at um, celebrities that we have now, I mean, some of past like Anne Nicole Smith that get compared with Marilyn, and I think they're completely different personally. But I think that when you play the dumb blonde and that's how you become famous because we have to be honest with Marilyn that's how she became famous for these uh, sex symbol dumb blonde roles and it makes you money and it makes you successful is that then the cross you have to bear is that then the because I find that even being a lookalike it's like people say well, why don't you do something in your own right and in all fairness <laughs> there's millions of actors out there that are working in cafes and they're brilliant mm-hmm. actors whereas I before Covid was having a great career going all around the world yeah being Marilyn but then I can't really sit there and go oh I wish I was myself because um you know well I am not I chose that way and it was gave me a good living so Marilyn was made famous by playing the blonde was that really the cross that she's going to have to bear and she'll never really escape it because it's like a deal with the devil does that make sense yeah exactly and and, and it, it's unfair because, you know, she she obviously started off playing dumb blondes, secretaries, dancers, those kinds of parts to get her break. And But why people then have to pigeonhole her and say, well, no, now you, you're in that area now, you need to stay there, mm. is, is it's not fair to her. It's, you know, well, I would, I would argue, yeah, I would argue, it, sorry, babe, go on. That's right, go ahead. I would, I would argue it's because she's a woman, and I don't want to pick on men or be like, oh, here they go again moaning. Because if you look at someone like Tom Hanks, I know he lived longer than Marilyn, you know, mm-hmm. but he started off playing quite junky films, like very mm-hmm. bubblegummy, what you'd say, Mal Bimbo films, right? And yet now yeah. he's won so many Oscars and proved that he's really an amazing actor. I mean, as soon as a Tom Hanks film comes out, we all go, got to see this. And he really mm-hmm. has, you know gone from these little 80s himbo films to a real actor and I get the feeling that are women ever really able to do that if they've gone from bimbo-y films to I can't maybe you can think of an actress that's made that transition I can't no no you're right I can't think of it either and I I think a lot of it does have to do with with her being a woman and and I see that as well with the newspaper reports that I read Um, I mean especially the ones I've been reading recently about, you know, her coming to England, the the reporters, who mainly are male, they'll describe her as, you know, the wiggle has landed and she wiggled and waggled her way across the airport. And I think, would you have described Clark Gable as, as wiggling and waggling across the, you know, the airport? Of course you wouldn't. It is very, it's very, very strange, um, the, the terminology that people, you know, sort of put onto her. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that she is a woman. And back then, too, you know, when she said that she wanted to do all these things, people were laughing. Mm. It was mainly because, you know, she was a, a woman and they, they classed her as being this little fluffy blonde. And they just thought that she was a joke. And, yeah, you know, that's completely... 
completely unfair mm. and untrue. I was watching the Britney Spears, um, it's, when you're saying about the way men talk to her in interviews, I was watching the Britney Spears documentary um, last night, um, the one that the New York Times made, and they show mm. old interviews. Now, they're quite modern, you know, they're in our lifetime, they're not 50s. And these guys mm. are saying to like a 19-year-old Britney, let's talk about your breasts. Ugh. And you, and you're sitting there and you, she, you're looking at her and you're she's like I'm sorry what did you say my Britney accent's terrible but and then they they say to her about you know are you going to have sex I, and I'm like what I mean I think we've changed a lot now but you, like you said I don't think they would like talk to a guy and go and they're talking to her about her underwear and it was very oh. very creepy so it really a lot of it hasn't really changed but then. There's a quote of Marilyn's that people tend to put up, and it says, as long as... Uh, I don't mind it being a man's world, as long as I can be a woman in it. And mm-hmm. people always think that means that she can be fluffy and sit on their knees. But I always take that as quite a double meaning. I always think that as long as I can be equal. Like, if it's a man's world, I need to be a woman. And it's like, uh, to be respected for that, not just like, I yeah. want to be your plaything. Because that would you'd say... I don't mind it being a man's world as long as I can be happy or rich or taken care of. But she says as long as I can be a woman in it. Mm. I'd like to... Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Because I know that she had that dark, like when that woman said, do you feel like you've grown as an actress? And she said, well, what do you mean in inches? So she definitely had that, you know, I'm sick of these questions. And you talk about Legally Blonde. um, Reese Witherspoon, who's gone on to be like Marilyn. She's gone and had her own production company and... And I always think that story of Legally Blonde, although Marilyn Monroe wasn't a, a lawyer, reminds me of her. It's like you look at me and you think one thing, but look what I've done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think that uh, that applies with with many people, you know, um, regardless of, of who you are, people seem to, I don't know if this happens to men, but with women especially, they sort of pigeon hold you into a certain thing. I mean, I, I've spoken about this before. I worked a day job for 17 years before I was able to, to leave to, you know, fulfill my dreams. And not everybody that I worked with, but a lot of people I worked with sort of put me into this category, well, you're an assistant here. You're not ever going to be anything more than an assistant. Wow. Don't try to be anything more than an assistant because that's what you are. And that really used to bug the hell out of me and I you know and if I talked about wanting to become a, a full-time writer they they would openly just laugh at me and I remember I had my first book published when I was 25 and I remember saying to one of these people well Agatha Christie was published at age 30 or something and I, and I said well I, you know I've, I've now had one book published at age 25 so I'm you know I'm further ahead of the game than, than Agatha Christie was at this age and she just burst out laughing, oh, for goodness sake, Michelle. And it completely missed the point that I was trying to make because she had just decided that uh, that I was no nothing else than her assistant and that would be the be-all and end-all of it. And I determined to prove her people wrong. And I think that that's something that I have in common with Marilyn, that, mm. you know, they were, they were trying to, 20th Century Fox, they were trying to say to her, well, no, you're not a serious actress, you just belong in musicals and comedies and she was like well no I can do whatever I want and I'm going to prove you wrong and so that that side of her has always inspired me especially when I was stuck in that situation you know with people saying I couldn't do it and I knew that I could and 
for a long time it appeared that I was the only person who believed in me but I thought if I don't believe in me then what's the point so I you know I've just got to keep on going and I think that that's what she did too yeah I think that's a very good point if you you have to believe in yourself because it like you say you don't know who else will because you usually find people start believing in you when you're successful but it's the yeah. believing yourself when you're, you know, Marilyn made those decisions on her own. Okay, okay with the help of Milton Green's support for the first um, financial support sometimes and emotional support. I mean, he was a big deal in her life. I don't want to, like, undermine what Milton Green did. But he just gave her the confidence to do what she already knew she could do. And that's what I, I love about. But it's funny because I listened to an um, interview with Marlena Dietrich, um, her, one of her last interviews. If anyone's never listened to it, you have to listen to it. It's her in her uh, Paris apartment and she wouldn't let anyone film her because she was old and she didn't want to be seen. But she's very tired. I think she's a little bit drunk. Sorry if everyone's going to hate me for saying that, but... She's, they ask her if she's a feminist, and she says, no, I'm not a feminist. And she says, I hate feminism. She says, if you want to wear trousers, just wear them. Because I never knew till recently that wearing trousers in Paris was illegal. I never knew this. Oh. It, yeah, it only changed in, like, the 1990s, which is crazy. But it actually was a law, that, but just nobody looked at it. Because the women of the day, like, there's a famous picture that Madonna went on to copy of Marlena Dietrich arriving in Paris dressed as... You know, like what people would say dressed as a man, but she's basically wearing a suit, a big overcoat, sunglasses on, flanked by men wearing the same outfit. And Madonna mm -hmm. copied it. Um, and I never knew the story behind this picture, and it was actually her arriving in Paris because she knew that wearing a man's suit, a woman wearing trousers, was actually illegal. So she was like, oh. I'm not a feminist. I just do what I want. If I want to wear a suit, I'll wear a suit. If I want to do this, I'll do that. So it was interesting because obviously Marilyn and Marlena got on, were, were friends, but um, Norman Roston said that he doubted she would join the uh, liberation movement for women and, and he doubted that she'd be identified as a feminist. Mm -hmm. she, and, and I find this interesting because I don't even like calling myself a feminist. What I like calling myself is a bit like Marilyn. I, I, I like... I like it being a man's world, if you want to call it that, but I want to be a woman in it. I, I like... I really love my female friends and I people like you that have inspired me to go for your dreams and things like that so do you need to call yourself a feminist would Marilyn need to be a feminist is this really making us like a gang that we don't really need or do we just need strong women that, sh that do rather than say yeah I, I agree and and actually um I think I speak about this in the book that um yeah Norman Rustin said that Marilyn would never have um, said that she was a feminist, and I completely agree with that because he's talking about the, the 1960s version of a feminist where, you know, it was expected that you know, to walk down the road with placards and, you know, the whole burn your bra, all that kind of thing. Marilyn would never have associated with that. And But the way, if we look at it in terms of now, I think that she's 100% she's a feminist because... Feminism now means to be equal, to, to do what you want to do, to, to be able to wear trousers if you want to wear trousers, to be able to do all the things that men do if you want to do them, or if you want to stay at home and raise a family, that's good too. That's still feminism because mm -hmm. you've made that choice. And so it's, it's all about the way that you view feminism. And it's like Madonna gave a speech um, a little while ago where she was saying that 
people used to always say to her that she was, you know, she was bad for feminism because she was girly and, you know, she she did like she did the sex book and all that kind of thing. And she said, well, in that case, I'll be a bad feminist because, in other words, she's doing what she wants to do and she's still, you know, she's a powerful woman. She's a trailblazer. She's, you know, girl power and all that stuff, mm. which now is feminism. Mm. And it, it's just it. it just all depends on the person's view of what feminist feminism should be because if i if i was to say to somebody oh i'm a feminist they might go oh god you know mm. do you want to burn your bra kind of thing and it's not about that at all it's just about the the, the power to be who you want to be whatever that is you you can be it and and to empower other women to to big up other women to not knock down other women and you know put other people down to try and raise people up that's all to do in my view of, of feminism um but it's it's a very i think it's a very personal thing now of, of what you think um girl power and feminism is and you know some people are are still you know back in the the 60s thinking that it's all about you know marching down the street and it, it really isn't in my view it, it, it isn't it's all about being exactly who you want to be and which is what Marilyn was fighting for she was fighting for equality to be able to go to her acting classes to be able to work with the people that she wanted to be which is very powerful and it's you know she was a trailblazer and I think if you change the word feminist to trailblazer then I don't think many people would have a problem with her being described that way that's my own personal view anyway I think you're so right because um this word feminist I feel like it's become a slogan rather than a meaning and like when I see like I saw um the Prime Minister of Canada Justin Trudeau I can't say Trudeau 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 yeah um and he was wearing a t-shirt saying I'm a feminist and I thought well it's just Mm -hmm. a label then isn't it because I agree with you that really it's about women being recognized and we support each other and I still think women hold each other back and I think a lot of that is fear or jealousy I had a a girl a friend of mine write me recently who's making music and she said I played it to a male friend and he was quite mean about it now I'll be honest I listened to her music it was amazing right and I said well sometimes your friends are fearful Sometimes they think, oh, my God, if they do really well, that they might leave me behind or it reflects on them. And they think, well, I've not achieved anything, so I'm going to make sure this person stays down with me. And she never saw it like that. And I think I used to have like issues of, you know, I wish I had done that or I wish I could be like that or I want to be like that. And, And I think a lot of that comes from maturity, but it's also come from my faith. And going about how we label things, every time something happens, if you follow me, you might know that I bang on about Jesus a bit, right? <laughs> but um, mm. people know, whenever they see something religious, they, they send it to me for some reason, go, look at these people. Oh, and I'm like, well, hang on a minute. Just because I believe in God doesn't mean I believe in the way they act. And I, mm. find, I find with feminism, it can be... A, a, a bitch fight which is not what it's meant to be it's like well that's not very feminist is it doing that and like you say it should be a choice if you want to stay at home and be a mother and not go out and have a, your own career your careers with your children that's your choice yeah feminism is about not being told what to do it's about making choices and if that woman decides that she wants to you know go, be a, a stay-at-home mum or she wants to be a ballet dancer that's the two spectrums you know and 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 it, 
to me or it's her choice and we shouldn't exactly. judge it and and I, I still find that women we tend to and I've been guilty of it myself I try every day to do one thing better than I was the day before and it's mm-hmm. it, and even with Marilyn I've gone I mean there's a bit that I, I, uh, in your book that uh, Natasha Light has said that a millionaire sent Marilyn Monroe a car and mm. um, for sex and she said no send the car back isn't that amazing and you're like well no because a lot of women would do that and if she wanted to keep the car, that was her choice too. And again, yes, it's like, exactly. well, if she'd slept with this man for a car, she's a horrible person. Well, no, I'm kind of glad she didn't because I wouldn't either. But if she had, mm-hmm. does that make her less of a person in our eyes or what? You know what I mean? It's Yeah, exactly. It's all about choice. Yeah, Everything's about choice. And I think there's just so much judgment in, in the world, especially the, the past year or so, the judgment from, from people about all sorts of different things just drives me insane and then you think well all of the judgment judgment that Marilyn must have faced you know just because she wanted to do something different it must Mm. have been hellish and I know that you know talking of women empowering women that I know women who (laughs) there's, there's one person who follows me around on Amazon reviewing every single one of my books and she hates every single one of my books and I go why are you still here why you know why do you have to say how much you hate me just go away if you hate me it's not an empowering thing for you to do that and it's 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 it's, I think it says more about that person than it does about me It's, it's just strange and I think that you know I I could never imagine being that way and I and if if somebody needs my help or they they want to me to inspire them in some way then I help them and I'm go you know even if I say just one sentence that helps somebody feel better then then I'll do it it's not in my nature to to knock to publicly knock people down and and I don't understand that and you know neither did Marilyn she faced it all the time too and she was always very giving mm-hmm. with her time and you know and she she was supportive of, of different women and friends and people I found out talking to people who met Marilyn in Englefield Green, she was so supportive of the people who came to to talk to her over the gate. She loved all those people. And, and I think, you know, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. I think um, I can back you up on that because, number one, obviously I've known you for, God, how many years now? Way too many. <laughs> but you've yeah, been there for me. We're not, we're not going to go into it, but you've been there for me at really terrible times in my life. Um, that I've had mm-hmm. personal tragedies and stuff like that and you've really been there to really help me and also going back to Marilyn's generosity Natasha Leiter said about the turning down the car from a millionaire but she said she sold her mink to help me with a hospital bill you know she's mm. like Marilyn was giving but it's funny you talk about when you achieve something and someone hating on you um it says in your book about uh because she didn't want to be called a dumb blonde people thought she was a diva or had delusions of grandeur and watching britney mm-hmm. spears last night she said like i can't hear something or i don't want this and they said oh diva and she's she just lost it and said i'm not a diva i just want it to be right and i do feel yeah. that with women and other women are to blame for this as well it's not just men i'm not going to sit here and man bash when women achieve something like you say you've achieved your book and someone will ha- come on and be mean about it, and and I've got to say, and I've had mean comments on on YouTube's, and and we we know that people can be quite mean, but really, it is I think directed at women that just break out of their box, and they want like, oh, get back in your box, and we've mm-hmm. we've really got to support each other, even if we don't agree with certain things, uh, uh, someone we don't. 
it's not us to to bring them down do you know what I mean and, and that's what Marilyn faced it was constantly oh who does she think she is trying to do her own company who does she think she is trying not to be dumb who does she think she and it's like well she thinks she's Marilyn Monroe and she can do what she wants yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah I completely agree mm. yeah we really have to have to look at the world in a, in a different way and in Marilyn was so forward thinking and you know I feel like if you picked her up from 1955 and dropped her into to, to now she would be com- completely relevant I think that's you know that's part of the reason why her memory goes on the way it does because she she was way ahead of her time and she was just an amazing person and I think you know, the more that I can do to, to show people that, the better. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I was talking to a lady the other day, I was interviewing her for my new book, and she said, you know, everyone always remembers, no matter what I do in my life, everyone always remembers me for working with Marilyn. And I said, well, that's the same as with me, because I've written 20 books now, but everybody, when I, you know, when I pop off, everyone will remember me as the Marilyn author. And, and I... I'm proud of that. I'm really, really proud of that because there's there's worse people to be associated with yeah. um, than Marilyn Monroe. And if people remember me as being the the lady who you know portrayed Marilyn as a human being in her books, then power on. I'm all for it. Mm. And I think also I remember something that Diana said, and it's so poignant when she said they they're scared of me because they wonder where I get my strength. Mm-hmm. And I think that with yeah. Marilyn, they were Marilyn had this immense strength to to survive what she came from, and to survive that Hollywood system. And you know, we know um, we don't know what happened at the end, but we know she passed at thirty six, which is a tragedy. But I really, what I love about your book is I want to remember the Marilyn that she truly was. And like you say in the girl, self taught, self made, so true, so yeah, true, exactly. Oh, Michelle, thank you so much for this. This is one of my longest podcasts, but like you, I'm so passionate about this part of her life. But this book, The Girl, it's, you've just got to get it. And I love the size of it. I love the size of it. It's like just... I do too. It's like pocket, it's like a pocket size, but like, I don't know, it just feels like a little like academic book. (laughs) I love it. And everyone should go and buy it. You can get it on Amazon and all the usual places. So... And, and I'm in it. Can I just do a little self-promotion? I'm so happy because I'm in it. And Susan Griffiths is in it. Um, oh, God, all the girls are in this, right? It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, um, Linda Kerridge and, like, so many people. How Marilyn, as Emma Watson, Michelle Williams, and all these people, like you say, that are passing the torch on. And I love that. And it's just beautiful. Michelle, thank you so much again for agreeing to come on because I could talk to you forever because it's just, like... The Museum of Marilyn in your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. Whenever you want me to come on, I'll always come on. Is there a website where people can check out your other books? Because, um, like, you know, people have started reading your books. Because I know a lot of people write to me and said, you know, I never knew about Michelle. And I'm so glad that listening to her, I've gone and bought her books now. And so is there a site that people can go to and see your books and see your writings that you've done? So... Yeah, they can go to my website, which is michellemorgan.co.uk. Brilliant. And we're so excited for 2022, and not just because of the end of corona, but because your book, we're so excited for it. Thank you again, Michelle. You're an absolute star. You're welcome. I should just say, if anyone wants to um, connect with me on social media, um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at mmwritergirl. Yeah, great. And send us some encouraging posts rather than insulting ones, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. Oh, isn't she fabulous? I absolutely love talking to Michelle. I just feel like I get to find out so much about Marilyn that so many previous authors haven't found out. And her new book, we're so excited. Um, Marilyn Meets the Queen. It's about Marilyn's time in London. And you can pre-order it on Amazon and the usual places or preferably... Um, an independent bookseller so you know we keep those independents going usually I don't know who's coming next week but I do at the moment I know that next week I have Jimmy James which so many of you know in the Marilyn community he's going to go in, going to be speaking to me about his life as Marilyn and obviously my shows usually come out on Sunday but he's got a show on Facebook this Thursday live on his Facebook page facebook.com Jimmy James Hollywood and it's all free and it's going to be on his page and you can watch him do his amazing tribute to um I think this week he's going to do it for um the people of the uh, black artists that have encouraged him in his life um, so tune into that because it's going to be amazing. And then tune in to me next Sunday because I'll have an interview with him and we'll find out all about his life as Marilyn. I mean, I think his picture with the glasses is one of those other ones that are, uh, are usually confused as the real Marilyn Monroe as well, which is amazing. So join me next week, guys. Have a great week.